Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Press on, heaven's not so far away. The reason we get to go is because of the man in the middle. And the only thing we've got to hope in is his blood. Amen. Everything you really need to know about why we do what we do. Right there in those songs. Because Jesus loved us first and we love him. Because he shed his blood to die for our sins. And now we've got a blessed hope. Amen. Amen. Brother Andrew Decker. Why don't you come on and make your way this way. This is Brother Andrew. He's a good friend of mine, and I mean that. Uh, I've known Brother Andrew for quite a few years. He and I, uh, I guess we met at New Manus Teen Camp, uh, some undeterminate number of years gone. Uh, it's getting to be a larger number of years all the time. Amen. Uh, but the Lord um, has shown himself strong in Brother Andrew's life. And uh, Brother Andrew has honestly been a great example uh, to me personally. And uh, he is the pastor of Bible Believers Baptist Church in Canton, Ohio. Served there for many years uh, before the Lord ushered him into being the pastor. And it was the Lord. Amen. And I don't know if he'll talk any about that tonight or not. But uh, the Lord has been good to Brother Andrew. Amen. And uh, I'm glad to know him. And I'm glad he's here to preach for us tonight. So, Brother, you come on, have liberty, and give us what the Lord's given you. Thank you, Brother Paul. Appreciate Mike's that. Good Mike's good to go. All righty, good evening. These unlevel pulpits, where do, you, where do you put your water when you, oh, you put it underneath. All right, now that that's taken care of, we can continue. All righty, let's go ahead and take our Bibles out and ask you to turn with me tonight uh, to the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Brother Paul was mentioning there, you know, how he emphasized prayer, and of course you folks have been praying about the meeting and that one way I can attest to the fact that I know that that is true is because the Lord uh, very graciously and very quickly and very clearly uh, put a message on my heart. Now, I don't preach out a ton. I do a little bit uh, throughout the course of the year. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes difficult, very difficult. I'm sure Brother Tim, Brother Paul, and others as well would have testified. Sometimes very hard to discern what direction to go uh, when you're looking at notebooks full of sermons and you want to be sensitive to the Lord. But so I can tell you folks have been praying about the meeting. And again, I appreciate that. And uh, very, very privileged to be here. And I, I, I don't say that because I have to say that. I mean, I should say that, right? But, but, I, but I really mean that, okay? It's not, it's not just formality talk. I, I'm incredibly privileged uh, to get to be here. So glad that my wife and my boys are able to be here as well. They're looking, looking really forward to being here this weekend, next couple of days. And uh, very, very, very appreciative and appreciate... Uh, Brother Paul, of course, and Miss Brooke, and like Brother Paul had mentioned, uh, I've known him for a good while, and uh, just kind of came up through the ranks together, I guess, in a lot of ways, and you know, to see how the Lord's using him here and pastoring now, and, and myself likewise, up in Canton, Ohio. How many of you have ever been to Canton, Ohio? Wow, way more than I anticipated, amen, well, praise the Lord, I was going to tell you how great a place it is, but now I can't, because you guys have been there, 
right? But, uh, but uh, listen, uh, you know, we're from the north, and, and, uh, but I'll tell you this about myself. Thank the Lord, I'm, I'm from the north, but I have been very sufficiently southernized. And I praise the Lord for that. I mean, I, I thank the Lord. You guys have got a good, you guys got some things figured out down here that we have just not tapped into uh, at all in, in the North Country. And I praise the Lord for, uh, for good people up there, but I uh, appreciate uh, just the Southern Brethren. They are a blessing, and I, I feel so at home, honestly, anytime I get the privilege of being down in the South. There's just a liberating feeling when you get through Cincinnati and cross into Kentucky. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it other than it is a real thing, and I feel liberated, just like you would probably feel oppressed going north out of Kentucky uh, into Cincinnati, but uh, i just excited, thankful, privileged, and want to be a blessing, a blessing to you all uh, tonight. So Luke chapter number one, uh, I mentioned that you know, the Lord was very gracious in making it very clear what direction to go with the message, but I will say, however, that it is somewhat of a sobering type of a thought. But I'm not too worried about that because, you know, I pastor a church. And I've, uh, you know, pastored a church for just about seven years. In a couple of months, it'll be seven years, which is hard to imagine. But, you know, I've learned a lot of things pastoring people. And I've learned that people have got problems. And, and I don't mean that in a, you know, a negative, kind of a comical type of a sense. I mean, like, legitimately. I mean, there's, there's people going through all kinds of deep, deep water. And, you know, as a pastor, you get privy to a lot of a lot of information about people, and some of it's a blessing to know, and some of it is not a blessing to know, uh, to be honest with you. And sometimes and I'll be sitting on our platform before I get ready to preach, and you know, I'll just kind of gaze out through the crowd, and I'll just, just in our congregation of 100 and 115 or whatever it is, you know, I look out there, and I'm amazed at the burdens and the problems that people carry in on a weekly basis. It's just, and, and I know enough to know that it's the same way here or anywhere. So I just want to give you just a simple exhortation tonight, uh, absolutely nothing profound. You know, basically, you know, pastors, we preach week in and week out, and really all we're doing every week is finding a different way to say the same things. I mean, that's, if you want to narrow it, that's kind of what it is. You're just finding a different way to say the same things and reminding God's people of things that we all constantly and regularly need to be reminded of. So that's kind of the, the basis of the message tonight. So let's look here, uh, Luke chapter number 1. We're going to begin reading... Uh, in verse number 5, and we'll read down through verse uh, number 17. But I want to preach a message tonight that I have entitled, What to Do When God Hasn't Come Through. What to do when God hasn't come through. Let's notice here in Luke chapter number 1, as I said, beginning in verse number 5. The Bible says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. The Bible says in verse number 7, in spite of how good of a people they were, verse number 7, the Bible says, but they had no child. Right? For some reason, God did, just, did not come through in that regard uh, for these two righteous people. But, and they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they, were both, and they were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Verse number 11, the Bible says, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side, of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. 
Well, I imagine that's how we all might have reacted at such a situation. You realize that he had done this thing over and over and over again right, during the course that he was supposed to execute his portion. Listen, nothing like this had ever happened in all his years of doing what he'd always been doing. But in this particular occasion, the angel of the Lord, uh, the Bible tells us, appeared uh, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, again, verse 12, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Now notice the description that this angel gives to Zacharias about his son that is to be born. Verse 14, the Bible says, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Again, this evening I want to preach to you on the thought what to do when the Lord hasn't come through. Let's have another word of prayer here quickly uh, if we can this, this evening. Father, we thank you. Uh, God, for the privilege, God, again, we can't emphasize it enough because that's exactly what it is. God, it's not just a privilege for me to get to be here and preach, but Lord, it's a privilege for all of us to get to be, uh, God, in a place, Lord, where your word is being proclaimed and your people are gathered together. Thank you for giving us the opportunity and the liberty to do so tonight. Uh, God, thank you for traveling mercies, uh, Lord, this afternoon and giving my family a good trip. And God, again, thank you for impressing my heart, Lord, so clearly with this message tonight. I pray you'd use it. Uh, God, Lord, I know that without you, I can do nothing. And Lord, you likewise know that that's true. But Lord, I don't have any problem saying that publicly tonight in prayer, that God, without you, I can do nothing. So I'm asking, uh, God, please, Lord, for your divine touch. God, for your divine enablement. God, please, I pray you'd fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. Enable me by thy Spirit. God, please, I want to minister the Word of God tonight, but I want to do so in power. God, please. Lord, your touch and your power tonight might be present. Uh, God, I pray you'd help us. Lord, the folks in here, I know many of them have been working and maybe rushing back and forth just to get here tonight. Their mind is maybe cluttered with just the hecticness of the day and the busyness of getting here. And I pray you'd help us, God, for just these few moments to just be able to cast all that aside. And God, help us to discipline ourselves, God, as we try to focus, Lord, on the Word of God tonight. Lord, in hopes and in expectation, Lord, that perhaps... You would speak to us directly. And God, I pray you'd help us, Lord, to have the kind of heart tonight that would be sensitive, uh, God, to the Holy Spirit of God if you were to speak to us directly. Lord, I know what it's like to be in church all the time. And Lord, I know how easy it is for it just to become kind of a, a routine type of a thing. But God, maybe tonight you want to speak to us. So help us not to miss it. And God, help us to receive the Word of God and receive the comfort tonight that we can receive from the Word of God. Bless God again. Enable me. Bless your people as they listen tonight. We ask and pray this again in Jesus' name. Amen. What to do? What to do when God, when God hasn't come through? You know, if we were honest uh, in here tonight, I think what most of us would confess, if you've been living the Christian life for any kind of length of time at all, I think if you were honest, you would probably uh, be able to confess that there have been times in your Christian life when it did seem like the Lord was not coming through in your behalf. Now, I know we don't necessarily talk about that publicly, and maybe that's kind of a, well, you can't say that kind of stuff. But listen, maybe people have that attitude, but at the same time, I've, 
I've been around enough to know that that is still reality for most Christians. They, they go through seasons, most all of us have, right, where we're going through something and you know, you're asking God to work and you're praying that God does something. And in the midst of you struggling and suffering and praying and asking God to help you, it's like God's really not doing anything. And it's kind of like He's just kind of letting you linger there in that state of, of confusion or in that state of frustration. Come on, I don't think it's a sin tonight to confess that if you're honest, we struggle sometimes with being frustrated. I mean, frustrated at God. And I'm not, you know, I'm not condoning that attitude. I'm not saying that's an okay attitude to have. I'm just a realist, and I know that's how most people get, at least at some time and some seasons throughout their Christian life. Right? Disappointed in God. Come on, you ever been there? Disappointed in God, or, or even frustrated, frustrated at God, because God's just not doing what, come on, He knows He needs to do something. You know He needs to do something, but He's doing, but he's doing seemingly nothing. That is a very difficult season to go through in the Christian life. You know, it's a blessing to understand you know, the God of the Bible and to understand the ability and the attributes of our great God, that God truly can do anything, right, anywhere, when any, when any, any, anytime He wants to do it. Right? He's, he's limited by nothing as far as His capabilities are concerned. I believe that about God. Right? And you believe that about God. All right? But when you know that to be true about God, that He can fix and He can do anything, but when He's not doing it, isn't that kind of a tough pill to swallow sometimes? I mean, come on, right? I, I, I've been there. It's like, God, I know that you can. I have no doubt that you can, but here you are not doing it. That's tough. But that's, that's, that's reality, at least for seasons sometimes in, in the Christian life. With the message tonight, I simply want to show you from this passage what it is that you need to do during those disappointing, discouraging, and frustrating times in your Christian life when it seems like God is just not coming through in your, in your behalf. Right? In this message tonight, I want to point out to you two, two individuals that we read about. Of course, those individuals being Zacharias and Elizabeth. And these two individuals are the perfect example of what it is that you need to do, all right, when it seems like God is not coming through for you in behalf of the needs that you have. In this passage that we read, Zacharias and Elizabeth, the Bible describes them as both being righteous people, right? Outstanding, outstanding people, righteous before God, serving God, living for God, but in spite of them being the kind of people that they were, they were still in a place where they were dealing with some genuine disappointment, but maybe even frustration with the Lord. Because the Bible told us there, as we saw in verse number 7, that God, for some reason, decided to not give them a child. Now, that has a sting to it. Some people understand exactly what that's like. And if you've ever been through anything like that, you would relate to the, to the sting behind a struggle like that. Right, and here they are, the Bible describes them as also, you know, being well stricken in years. And, you know, basically, as far as that hope or that expectation of God ever coming through for them in that regard, it was basically, there was no chance it was over, it was done. That ship had, you know, sailed, sailed, so to speak. So here they are dealing with this great disappointment. Don't you suppose they do like we do sometimes with God at some point throughout the years of this struggle? Don't you suppose they ever went to God and said, God, why not? I mean, God, you know, you know, you know that we have a heart for you. You know that we love you. Like, you know that we're doing right because we want to please you and, 
And how come you're doing it for everybody else, but you're not doing it for people like us? I mean, don't you sometimes kind of play that card on God? Like give Him all the reasons why, why He should? <laughs> I've tried that with God. He doesn't seem to... <laughs> it's never been too effective, right? But I've tried, to, I've tried to, you know, back God in a corner, so to speak, you know, by, you know, by showing Him my credentials, so to speak, on how God, you know, kind of owes me one or why God should do this for us or for our church, right? And they're dealing with frustration, right? But in the midst of this disappointment, this frustration, what I appreciate about these folks is that in spite of that, they just stayed steadfastly devoted, right? Now, I want to point out some things to you more about that here in just a moment. You say, so what is it that you do when God, when God isn't coming through? Listen to me tonight. You do exactly what Zacharias and Elizabeth did. You stay steadfastly devoted. Devoted. And I'll show you what that looks like here in just a moment. So let me point out some things to you in the text tonight concerning their steadfast devotion. But the first thing in verses 5 and 6, number one tonight, I want you to notice to begin here, I want you to notice concerning Zacharias and Elizabeth, notice with me tonight their shared description. Right? In verses 5 and 6, their shared description. The Bible says in verse number 5, And there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Notice verse 6 there, shared description. The Bible says, and they were what? Both. All right, they were both. Both Elizabeth, both Zacharias were described exactly the same way. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. So we see that Zacharias and Elizabeth shared the same description. Not just one of them, but both of them. Both husband and wife were righteous before God. Of course, they were righteous before God because they were walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. All right, their shared description. All right, so in this particular family, in this particular household, and in this marriage, neither one of these two individuals were the spiritual weak link. Right? Neither one of them were. I mean, both righteous, both, both doing right, and both walking according to the ordinances of, of the Lord. Now, I would imagine, right, because of this shared description, right, concerning both of these two individuals, I would suppose that them both living righteously and doing right probably led to them having a pretty happy home and having a pretty good, enjoyable marriage. What do you suppose that's probably what followed as a Listen, if you've got a husband doing right and a wife doing right and both in agreement about doing it, that's going to lead to a happy home and a happy marriage. We're noticing their shared, their shared description. All right? No spiritual weak link in this home and in this marriage. Now, I've observed, and I'm sure you have as well, that what is said in regard to this husband and wife and the description that they shared is not a shared description amongst every Christian husband and wife in every Christian home. You know, I've observed, honestly, not being critical or judgmental, but honestly, it appears that in a large number of Christian homes and Christian marriages, there's usually, not always, but most time, there's usually at least one buddy, one individual that's the spiritual weak link. Sometimes it's the dad. Sometimes it's, it's the wife. Come on, you've, you've probably observed this. Now again, a lot of homes, thank God for those that are both 
doing right. But a lot of times, that's not the case. You know, I, I, uh, and again, I, I know what it's like at home, but I know it's the same wherever we go. Even in our church. I, I, I think I would say we have a good church. And we have a good church because we have good people <laughs> in that church. But, you know, even in our church, I didn't think, I, didn't, I thought about maybe counting it up before I got here tonight to give you kind of more of a number, but there are, there are multiple, multiple families in our church where there is a, a husband or a wife that is a major spiritual weak link uh, in that marriage and in that home. And, you know, a lot of times what I noticed, the majority of the time it's the husband or it's the, da- it's the dad that's the spiritual kind of deadbeat. Right? And then you've got mama that's trying to hold it all together and making sure the kids get to church while daddy's just you know, indifferent at best. Right? You ever seen that amongst God's people? Right? It's a big problem. A big, big problem. I get so frustrated and so discouraged you know, with, with Christian men, to be honest with you. Christian men are pretty pathetic nowadays. No, not, not everybody. Not you men. Praise the Lord, right? But in Canton, praise God, pray for them. They're a mess. But it's so, so frustrating. It's so frustrating to see a wife, a, a mother that wants to raise her kids for God and wants to be there on Sunday morning and wants to be there on Sunday night and wants to be there on Wednesday and would like to serve more faithfully and consistently, but she's got a husband that's constantly just a bunch of dead weight that's constantly holding her back and holding her down. I hope that's not you, sir. In your marriage or in your home, shame on you if it is. You know, a man, a man is to be the leader of the home, but that also requires him to be the spiritual leader of the home. Right? It's not mama's job to get everybody up on Sunday morning to make sure everyone's ready to go to church. That's daddy's job to lead spiritually. Man, there's all kinds of men that just. Ride mama's spiritual coattail. You know, it's it's not always men. Sometimes it's women. You've got men that want to do right. They want to be faithful. They want to serve God. They're going to do something for God, but at home they've got just a wife. This is nothing but a thorn in his side when it comes to spiritually doing right and trying to serve God. Well, I hope that's not you tonight. Let me ask you this question. In your marriage, in your home, are you the spiritual weak link? I mean, do the kids see mama read the Bible? Do they see daddy read the Bible? Come on. Are you the, who's the spiritual weak? I hope it ain't you. Amen. But in the case of Zacharias and Elizabeth, you've got some folks that are sharing the same description as both, both being righteous before God. I'll tell you this. You want your kids to turn out and do right, live for God. I believe you stand a much better chance if you're both. If you're both. You know, eventually it's going to get to a point for kids that, you know, kids are pretty smart. (laughs) It's amazing what they pick up on. You know, and you've heard the old saying that children do what children, they do what children, they do what they see, right? You know, and eventually they're going to get to the place where they think, hey, I wonder why. Daddy reads the Bible at home, but Mama never much picks the book up at all except for Sunday morning. And I wonder why, I wonder why Mama you know, gets ready for church on Sunday night and Daddy just sits back in the recliner and kicks on the whatever-whatever game. And why is it Mama that takes us on? Where's, where's Daddy at? 
I wonder, I wonder if they start thinking those, yeah, they start thinking those things. You think that has an impact on kids turning out? No, the majority of kids that turn out for God grew up in homes where both mom and dad did right. Now, I know there's exceptions, but that's not, listen, that's the far greater percentage of children that turn out. It's because they're in a home in an environment like that. But we're noticing, I know this isn't the gist of the message, but I thought I'd say it, Brother Paul. Amen. Shared, shared description. No spiritual wink link in this home and in this marriage. Number one, their shared description. But notice number two tonight, notice their serious disappointment. Their serious disappointment. Verse number seven, we've talked about it. Let's notice it again. The Bible says, and they had no child. I would categorize that as a serious disappointment. Come on. Again, I don't know if you've ever been through anything like that. You know, thank God I never had that. The Lord was gracious to us as far as allowing us to have children. But listen, that's, that was no doubt Elizabeth's desire from the time she was a young girl to one day to meet the man of her dreams and to get married and to raise a family and have a slew of kids running around their house. Come on, that was a, it's a natural desire, and there's no doubt in my mind that had been her desire her whole life. But for some reason, God, God, who's in charge of the womb, hello, right? God just decided to not grant her and him that desire that desire of their heart. And for years and years and years and years, they're praying and they're asking God to give them a child. You know, I suppose after the first few years, they thought, well, you know, for whatever reason, you know, God's just kind of not coming through, but, you know, no big deal. Well, then five years went by and, well, you know, okay, I don't exactly know what's going on here. And I'm sure they're doing a bunch of self-examination and, you know, hey, you know, what's going on? Maybe, God, what's going on? Is there something in our lives or something then 10 years goes by. And then the burden and the weight of that burden with that unfulfilled desire where God's not coming through gets greater and gets greater and gets a whole lot more to difficult with each passing year. And there they are with a serious, a serious disappointment. Then they get up to the point where the Bible describes them there as being well stricken in years. Right? Listen, at that point, there's no doubt in my mind that they got to the place where they gave up any hope of God ever coming through in answering their prayer for a child. But God, God, for some reason, didn't come through for good people. Why would God, why would God do that? Why, why does God do the things that He does? Or let me say it like this. Why does God not do the things that sometimes He just doesn't do? You ever wrestle with that one? I wrestle with it. I look at people in my own church and I think, God... Why would you not? Why would you not do this? And God doesn't do it. You know what I've found out about the Lord? <laughs> that His ways are not my ways. And that I've found out that His ways are beyond, beyond me ever. You know, it, 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 I'm not complaining about the, I'm just being real tonight. It's frustrating. Amen! It is, it's frustrating sometimes trying to live this life of faith that we're required to have to live. And just, you know, yielding to His will and just, just deciding that you're going to trust Him. That's, that's difficult. It's, it's frustrating to have to live that way sometimes. Just being honest. Right? Why, God? Why would you not do this for people, for people like this? We've been there. I'm assuming that you've been there. Disappointed. Frustrated discouraged, confused, 
And you get confused sometimes in your Christian life, you know, trying to make sense of what in the world is going on. <laughs> you know, I, re- I remember going through a season of that some years ago, and I was talking to my, a brother in my church uh, before I was the pastor, and uh, I said, you know, I just, I you know, just, just kind of being honest about some struggles and some frustrations with God not doing things that I thought God was going to do. And uh, he said, Andrew, he goes, you're making, a, you're making a real mistake here. I said, what's my mistake? He said, you're, you're leaning to your own understanding. And when he said that, it was like, bing. Oh, I think the Bible somewhere in the book of Proverbs tells me not to do that. <laughs> and it was like, you know what? That's exactly what I'm doing. I, I'm trying to make sense of all this stuff. And it's not making sense. I'm not understanding what this is all about. That leads to a frustrated existence. You know, and maybe, maybe tonight, maybe you're there with the Lord. I mean, you've suffered some disappointments, some, some frustrations, some confusion. You know what? Maybe you're trying to figure it all out and figure out the Lord. <laughs> right? Good, yeah, amen. Good luck. Good luck. It's a, place, it's a place a lot of us visit in the Christian life. You know, there's a, a situation in our church right now with a, with a family, and, uh, and I know Brother Paul and Brother Tim both know the individual. Uh, this guy, Hannah would know as well. This guy, I, I'd have told you five years ago, if you were going to ask me who's one of the best Christian men that you've ever been around, I'd have said this man's name. I, I, literally, that kind, of, that kind of a Christian man, not just at camp. I mean, he was like that. Faith, you talk about faithful. You talk about steadfast. You talk about consecrated and stretch yourself to the max to, to live for God and to be faithful to services and to serve in ministries. That was this guy and his family. Raised his family that way. I mean, for 35 years was that kind of a Christian man. And I, and I was thinking about it on the way over here tonight in light of the message, and I, and I, and I remember that something happened. And it, and it was three years ago. It was actually, Brother Tim had been to our church and preached, uh, I think it was in a February three years ago, four years ago. And I remember it was just a month or two after that that, that, this, that he just started, something snapped. Like something, something changed, and he just, got, he just got distant, and he got, I don't even know how to describe it. It was, just, it was so foreign to see this man this way when you're so accustomed you know, to the, to the guy that we knew all these years. And, man, he just went deeper and, and deeper and deeper into this, this dark hole. I don't, know how, I don't know how to describe it. You know, and even to this day, you know, nearly four years later, I, I still don't even know what to say happened to him. I don't even know if his wife knows what, what happened to him. It isn't that he went, you know, crazy off the deep end into sin. It's just, I mean, honestly, he sunk into a pit of despair and this depression I mean, darkness, dark, I mean, paranoia, schizophrenic, I mean, just strange, strange, something just snapped. I mean, to the point where he didn't come to church anymore, and to the point where he didn't even work anymore. I mean, literally, and I don't like to say anything critical about this man because he's a great man. I still feel that way about him, but he, I mean, got to the point where he didn't work and didn't care, but his wife had to pick up the pieces and somehow try to pay the bills while he just sat there in this, whatever it was, whatever it is still. You know, and, and, that, and that wife is, uh, man, she has just, you can imagine, you can try to imagine the, the, what she's dealt with. I mean, having to be the one that picks up the pieces and, like I said, tries to 
pay the bills. And man, she struggles. She struggles every month to make it. I mean, our church has helped her out a ton. We've had other people in the church help her out. And, and it isn't one of those charity cases. I mean, she's doing her best and cannot make it. And, and we're all praying. And she's praying. And, and, uh, and you know what's happened in four years with him? Nothing. Four years. Just basically living his life, sitting in a living room rocking chair, just kind of half there, half we don't know where. And there she is, four years. You know, we had, we really were praying. And she was expecting. But four years later, you say, well, there's been a little bit of improvement. No. <laughs> still doesn't work. Still doesn't come to church. You know, I, I call him on the phone. He won't answer the phone. I, I did see him at a public place about six months ago, and he found out I was there and literally was half running to get away until I caught up with him. Said, hey, brother, how you doing? He just broke, I mean, started weeping as soon as he saw me. He said, Pastor, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And it just, just confusing. And, and there she is thinking, <laughs> I mean, God, what in the world? I, that if, I mean, uh, uh, this kind of a situation like in the text, both righteous, both living for God, and there God is just, you know, kind of seemingly in the flesh, like leaving her high and dry. That's tough. Come on, could God do something about that man? Yeah, he could in a minute, but you know what? He hasn't done it. That's tough. That's confusing. It's disappointing. It's frustrating. And, you know, in your life, again, I'm sure that you can relate to having these kind of struggles and feelings. Am I right about that? I mean, again, we love the Lord. We're not bitter, but we do get frustrated sometimes in this Christian life. Amen? Number one tonight, again, we're noticing their shared description. Thank the Lord for that. But we notice number two, their serious disappointment. But what I want to emphasize tonight is thirdly, notice with me their steadfast devotion. I'm going to read this to you, and I'm going to try to expound this and give some clarity to what I'm trying to say tonight. Notice with me concerning their steadfast devotion in verses 8 through 10. The Bible says, and it came to pass. All right, now, so this is in the midst of God not coming through. They're praying. They're disappointed. They're heartbroken. They're confused. They're frustrated, no doubt, at times. This has been going on for year after year after year after year. All right, verse 8, the Bible says, It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. All right, so what we notice here, all right, what I just read to you in those verses is that Zacharias did not let his frustration, his confusion, and his disappointment deter him from faithfully living for and serving God. Now, is he heartbroken? Is he confused? Is he frustrated? Is he disappointed that God hasn't... Yeah, absolutely he is. But in spite of that, what is he doing? In verses 8, 9, and 10, I'll tell you what he's doing. In spite of that, he's still doing what he's supposed to be doing. Right? His steadfast... Devotion. You say, well, what does steadfast devotion look like? Well, we see it perfectly illustrated in these verses. Right? Here's what steadfast devotion is. Right? Number one, he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. You say, what was he supposed to be doing? Well, he was supposed to be executing the priest's office. That's exactly what he was doing. Right? Steadfast devotion. Number one, he was doing what 
he was supposed to be doing. But number two, not only was he doing what he was supposed to be doing, he was doing it when he was supposed to be doing it. The Bible says he was executing the priest's office in the order of his course, right? Steadfast devotion. It's when someone does what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing it, but it's deeper than just that. Notice also that he was doing what he was supposed to be doing, when he was supposed to be doing it, where he was supposed to be doing it. The Bible says that he was executing the priest's office in what place? Well, in the temple, right? This man stayed steadfastly devoted, right? He was doing what he should be doing, when he should have been doing it, where he was supposed to be doing it. But we also notice in regard to his steadfast devotion that he was also doing it the way he was supposed to be doing it. The Bible says that he was executing the priest's office according to the custom of the priest's office. Right? Again, he's doing it the way he's supposed to be doing it. Listen to me. That's what steadfast devotion looks like. Right? you got to be doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it, where you're supposed to be doing it, and the way that you're supposed to be doing it. That's Zacharias in the passage. Do you see that with me, or am I stretching it too far? Right? That's a steadfastly devoted man. Right? That's what he kept on doing in spite of the disappointment, the frustration, and the confusion of God just not coming through in a thing that they really wanted to see God come through in. Steadfast devotion. He's listen. That's what you do when God doesn't come through. You just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right? Amen. Right? And you do it where you're supposed to be doing it. When you're supposed to be doing it. The way that you're supposed to be doing it. Listen, most Christians or many Christians, and you know some just like I do, have let their disappointment, their frustrations, and their confusions discourage them and deter them from staying faithful with God. I mean, maybe, maybe again, this situation with them not having a child, maybe that doesn't sound too severe, but I think it was. But a lot of Christians that go through things, you know, even similar to this, they allow it to just basically knock them completely out of the race. Now, not necessarily even knock them out, but just, they go through things like this, Brother Tim, and they're just not the same. I mean, they stay in church and they're still there, but they're, they're just not the same. They're not the same person they used to be. They're not, they don't have the same spark, the same joy, the same enthusiasm. You can just tell it's something in their heart towards God. It's just not the same. You ever seen Christians like that? You say, what's it a result of? It's a result of going through things similar to this. Just get to a place, well, what, what's the use? Why, why sacrifice? Why, why stretch myself? Why, why do this when God's not, God's not fixing? God's not granting the desire of my heart? Man, I know some people like that. And I'm not critical of them. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to be interpreted as being that way. Listen, I understand. But I see a lot of Christians that just, you know what they do? They, they go through something like this and they fall from their own steadfastness. I'm thinking of somebody and that I know personally pretty well, and uh, not, not associated with our church, but a friend of mine, I definitely would categorize him as a friend, that, you know, you talk about, again, a, a young man with a young family that just had all the tools, all the talent, all the, I'm talking ministerially, I mean, the wit, the abilities, 
and, and zeal to go along with all that. Beautiful combination. And, and, and serving God and living for God, but you know, just went through some things. And just, you know, today, as far as I know, he's still in church, but he's just, he's not the same. What, what, what do you think might have happened? Well, in my mind, it's just, just couldn't get over this, this God just not living up to his expectations. And it happens. And, it, and it's real. Amen? You know, and maybe, maybe you can relate. Maybe even presently in your life relate to some frustrations and some battles with confusion and disappointment. And it's seemingly God just not living up to your expectations. You know, there's a lot of Christians that get bitter at God and never and never leave the church. Amen, they're still there. They still sit. They still sing. They still open their Bible and you know, probably even have a semblance of a walk with the Lord. But man, in their heart, they just... They're just hung up on what God did not do. Amen. You say, what do you do? What do you do when you're in a place like that? I'll tell you what you do. You remain steadfastly devoted. You say, what do you do? Well, you just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. Amen. You do it when you're supposed to do it. Right? You do it where you're supposed to be doing it. Amen. People get discouraged. Well, I'll go somewhere else. Come on. There, oh, that's the key. That's the answer. It's not working out here. It's probably because I'm supposed to, probably because God wants me to. That's never the answer. Very rarely, right? But we get discouraged. We get thinking crazy things, right? You know, the grass is green on the other side kind of mentality. No, that's not what you do. You just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, when you're supposed to be doing it, where you're supposed to be doing it, the way you're supposed to be doing it. That's steadfast devotion. You know, that's what God, that's what God requires of every one of us in here tonight. All He wants you to do <laughs> is do what you're supposed to be doing it. When you're supposed to do it, where you're supposed to do it, the way He wants you to do it. That's all He asks of us. Steadfast devotion. But listen, let's be honest, it's it's hard to stay that way sometimes when God's just seemingly not coming through. Amen? Right? Don't you appreciate Zacharias, his steadfast devotion? But let me close with this tonight. We discussed their shared description. What a blessing. Both righteous before God. We noticed their serious disappointment, their steadfast devotion. But lastly tonight, notice with me beginning in verse number 11, notice their shocking declaration. Verse number 11. The Bible says, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord. This is while he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, when he's supposed to be doing it, where he's supposed to be doing it, the way he... Look at what happens as a result of all that. The Bible says, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Now again, notice his shocking declaration, verse 13. The Bible says, the angel of the Lord said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Would you agree that's a shocking declaration? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Right? She's well stricken in years. But that angel says that an angel, uh, that, that a baby is coming. Right? And the Bible continues and with this declaration and continues with this son and says, Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, and he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost 
even from his mother's womb, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him. That him is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient of the wisdom to the just, to make ready a people prepared for the... What a shock! <laughs> I mean, there he is, doing what he's always been doing. Been doing it for decades, faithfully, steadfastly. And out of that, listen, that man goes into the temple that day to do what he's supposed to be doing with zero expectation. Right? He's, not, he's not walking in anymore with hopes that, oh, maybe an angel will appear and maybe he'll tell me what I've always wanted to hear, that that prayer's been heard that we've been praying all these years. No expectation. But boom, <laughs> out of nowhere, when he no doubt least expected ever to hear something like this, there that angel is with that shocking, shocking declaration. He tells him his prayer has been heard and God, and God is going to give them a son. What a shocking declaration about their son. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord. Drink neither wine nor strong drink. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Many shall he turn. Is concerning the children of Israel to the Lord. Right, he's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. Turn the hearts of the fathers of the children. This is obedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready. What a shocking declaration. And I got to thinking about this some time ago when I was reading. Reading through this and the Holy Spirit spoke to me about these, these thoughts. And I thought to myself, you know what? I think I know why. I think I, I know why God may have come through for Zacharias and Elizabeth like he did. And you know what my deduction was? It was to me as obvious that, hey, God did this for them because they stayed steadfastly devoted. They didn't stop. They didn't quit. They just kept doing what they were supposed to be doing. And God, did God, ever, you talk about God coming through, you talk about exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever, I think that would, I think that would fit in that category when you're talking about a son that God gave him. Right, the forerunner of, of the Messiah. But let me ask you this question. Do you suppose, and that's all we can do is just suppose, but do you suppose that this would have happened for Zacharias and Elizabeth had they not been doing what they were supposed to be doing? Where they were supposed to be doing it? When they were supposed to be doing it? The way they were supposed to be doing it? Now, I'm inclined to say that there's a really good chance this never would have happened had they not remained steadfastly devoted. Listen, if he's not in the place he's supposed to be, when he's supposed to be there and all that, there ain't going to be no appearance from an angel. Do you see that maybe there's a connection, right, and God coming through for these people in light of the fact that they were steadfastly? Does it maybe pay in the long run? just to stick with doing it God's way, the right way, even when things aren't coming together like you think they should be coming together, when you think they should be coming together. Now look, I, I understand that God, that God does not owe me. I, I, listen, I, I'll be the first to confess that He doesn't owe me an answer for everything I want an answer for. Now you know that's true about you as well, right? Now I'd like to have one, but God doesn't owe me an He doesn't owe me an explanation. Right? God's not indebted to me. God's not indebted to you. Come on, is that right? 
God doesn't owe you one. Is that right? But at the same time, I just think if you want to, <laughs> you want to impress God, you want to maybe incline God a little bit more your direction to show you some favor, I'm thinking that remaining steadfastly devoted, when you're going through a time where God's not coming through, I think that gets God's attention. And I think God looks down on that and says, that, that's, that's the real deal right there. That's somebody that's doing right, not because they're getting necessarily anything out of it. They're doing right because they simply want to please me. And look at them down there, struggling, confused, disappointed, frustrated, but it hasn't deterred them. They're still doing it. Look, I, I, I'd like to, you know, as a preacher, you, you want to you, you tell people that, you know, everything's going to be fine all the time and that just hang in there and it's all going to work out. But I'm not trying to be negative, but you've got to be realistic. I know enough to know that's not always what happens. Brother Tim, that's true. It's, I don't like that, but it's true. and It's true sometimes, even in the Christian life. But at the same time, I want to remind you that you have no idea what God might do in your situation. Right? God hasn't been coming through. God hasn't answered. You're still frustrated. You're still confused. But you have no idea what God might do if you just follow the example of Zacharias and Elizabeth. You have no idea what God might do. There was a, a, a couple uh, this last June, Brother Paul at Brother Josh and Brother Curtis's camp in Tennessee. I was down there for a couple of days and, and, and preached one night. And the next morning, uh, before the service had started, I got down to the tabernacle a little bit early and there was a, kind of sitting off by myself and there was a, a brother and his wife that were on the far end that had gotten there early as well and just sitting there waiting until the service. And, and as I'm sitting there, I noticed the brother got up and he's kind of walking my direction. I thought, well, here he comes, you know. And uh, hope he's not weird, <laughs> you know. You know, they like to pick out the, the visitors, you know. And uh, and uh, he comes over and he's like, "Hey, brother, you know, my name's so and so, and and uh, brother Paul, you might know who I'm talking about. I have no idea what their names even are." But uh, he said, "Man, appreciated your, your message last night." And uh, and he said, "Yeah, the Lord, you know, spoke to me about some things." And he's like, "Do you care if I share a little bit of my testimony with you?" And I said, "No, oh, brother, you know, go ahead. Like like to hear it." And he said. He got into it, and he was explaining that you know, he got married, and, and uh, he was lost. His wife was, was a saved lady, and, and that uh, you know, she was a good Christian lady, you know, faithful to church, and, but he never had anything to do with church. I mean, he tried to discourage her from going to church. Uh, then children came along, and likewise with the children. He just gave her fits uh, trying to live for God, like we talked about earlier. Just giving her fits. And she tried to put him in Christian school, and he wasn't having any of that. Just a constant thorn just a constant burden in that home. And, and uh, as he was given the testimony, his wife actually had come over and she joined the conversation and she was you know, kind of talking as he was talking about what they had gone through. And, and pretty soon she kind of took over the story and she said, yeah, for years and years and years. She's like, in my closet, in my actual closet, she said, that's where I do my praying. And she said, I'd, I, she said, I'd go in there for years and I'd ask God, would you please save my husband? Save my husband and and, and she said, you know what, I did that for 18 years. What she said, 18 years. And she said, I remember, I remember right before God, obviously God had saved him. She said, I remember right before God had answered that prayer, she said, it got to the place where there was, there was, no, more, there was no more sticking around. It, it, I, I couldn't stay, I couldn't keep the children in an environment like that. Children have gotten older, obviously. And that she had gotten to the point where that was enough, and she was praying about how God could give her a way out. 
And just as that had happened, God used her leaving him to kind of sober him up, so to speak, and ultimately got saved. And man, what a, what a testimony. She's telling that story, and both of them, both of them are, are crying. And he's saying, man, I'm such a, he said, I can't tell you the guilt and how ashamed I am, but, but I'm so glad God forgave me, God saved me, and, and uh, you know, here we are uh, going to a teen camp. You know, and, and she's saying, if you'd have told me 10 years ago that he'd be willing on a, on a, to take a day off work to go to a teen, I'd have said you were crazy, crazy. But God did that for her and for him. And you know what it was? Ultimately, that was responsible for that, her steadfast devotion. She just kept doing what she was supposed to be doing. I know you're sick and tired of me hearing to say it, but where, when, and the way. Because that steadfast devotion in God, and God came through. I want to encourage you tonight to follow the example. Amen? Just, just decide that whether God does or doesn't, you're not going to let it not happen and discourage you or deter you from being steadfast. To keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. Amen. Because you just never know with God, do you? You just never know. You know, it seems like with the Lord, it's, it seems like He works kind of like this. Kind of like when you least expect it. Haven't you seen that with God? Where you're not even thinking about it anymore. Boom, that's when God has a way of just... Let me encourage you, stay steadfastly devoted. Maybe you're confused. Listen, if you're confused in your Christian life, you are in good company. Amen. Looks, if you're frustrated with God even, let me just tell you, no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Maybe, maybe you feel like God is just not living up to your expectations of where you thought you'd be and what things were going to be like. You're in good company but don't let it deter you from being faithful. Because you just don't... Isn't it, isn't it just that, that little bit of hope that just keeps you going? Just, But what if? But what if He does do something? Amen. I want to remind you that. What if He does do something? Don't stop before He does it. Stay steadfast. Be devoted. Let's have a word of prayer tonight. Father, Lord, it's a feeble effort at best when it's me putting forth the effort. God, to preach any truth from Your Word. But Lord, I, you know, I come in here with no, no knowledge, no idea at all as to what the condition of the people would be that would be sitting in the congregation tonight. But Lord, I, I've learned some things about people. I've learned that we're all alike. I've learned that regardless of where we live geographically or even where we are in our ages, God, we, we all struggle with being confused being frustrated, God, with being disappointed sometimes that, Lord, it feels like you just haven't really lived up to our expectations in certain areas of our lives. And, Lord, I'm not justifying that attitude or that spirit, but at the same time, I do know it's real. God, I have to confess, Lord, that I deal with it more consistently than I'd like to say, but I know I'm not the only one. And I pray to help, Lord, some Christians in here tonight that were maybe, maybe in that condition. Lord, like I said, just frustrated, confused, borderline even bitter maybe. God, as to why you're just not coming through. Lord, would you help them and encourage them, God, to follow the example of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Lord, that they would purpose in their heart 
that regardless of whether you do or whether you don't, they're going to stay steadfastly devoted. Help be encouraged, God, to have some hope of expectation that, God, if they'll do that eventually, God, you'll, you, they'll see you come through. Lord, I pray, Lord, for husbands and wives in here tonight, for fathers, for mothers. God, I pray to help them to examine their own Christian life and their marriage and their home. And God, as to whether or not perhaps they're the spiritual weak link. And Lord, if they are, I pray you convict them about that. Lord, husband or wife alike, maybe that's where the work needs to be done tonight. Lord, I don't know. Lord, I just trust that the Holy Spirit could speak to hearts. And God, I hope and pray that your people would be sensitive enough, tender enough to respond, to respond accordingly. God, if you were to have spoken to them. Lord, please bless now during the time of invitation. Lord, give help, give encouragement, God, to your people tonight. I ask and pray you do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand if we could for, for just a moment, if that's okay. Sister, if you want to come even to the piano and just play something softly for a minute. I think you understand, you know, my spirit tonight. I'm not, I'm not complaining about the Christian life. I'm not painting a glim picture, but it's, it's just reality. And it's reality, I think, for a lot of people if they're, if they're honest with themselves. So maybe tonight if God, if God spoke to you, maybe he didn't, but if he did, this is, this, is what I, this is how I think it should work during an invitation time. I think this is only reasonable for an invitation to go this way. I really believe that if God, if God speaks to us in any form or fashion, speaks to our heart, and listen, when God speaks to our heart, we know it's him, don't we? I mean, he, you know that voice when it's his voice. So I would encourage you tonight, I'm not going to pressure anybody, that's not, that's not my style, but I would just encourage you, if God, if God spoke to your heart, the reasonable thing, the polite thing to do would be to come speak to Him about what it maybe was that He spoke to you about. Did He speak to your heart tonight? If He did, why don't you, why don't you come speak to Him? Brother Paul. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.